Welcome to This Week in Coworking. I'm Hector Colonos, and this is your audio recap of some of the news, views, and market moves that you may have missed this week in coworking. In week 20 of 2023, we explore if IWG could or would buy WeWork, what may inject millions of pounds into local Scottish economies, $500 million from the US government for creating new tech hotspots around the country, some thoughts around off-peak memberships, and more. So let's dive in. This week, we're going to try something a little bit different for this podcast. Instead of going through the 22 stories that I shared in the This Week in Coworking newsletter, I'm going to pick four or five, dig into them a little bit more, and see how uh, that sounds to all of you. Let me know what you think, if you prefer this type of format, or if you prefer just me running through the newsletter and telling you all the stories you may have missed. You can reach out to me via thisweekincoworking.com or find me on social media, preferably LinkedIn, if you're on that network too. So before we dive into the new format, I just wanted to give a quick congratulations to uh, Uncommon, Desk Lodge, Hulkin, Office Space in Town. All four were actually featured in the Sunday Times Best Place to Work list for 2023. So a huge congrats to their teams and thanks to all these operators for creating amazing places for people to work. Now let's get on with the episode. Now, I'm not sure if this is the biggest story of the week, but it's definitely the one that created the most buzz with regards to my inbox, to messages, to emails I received this week. So I love writing this newsletter because I get to share um, mostly untold stories from across the co-working world, but it also allows me really to kind of look for patterns or um, undercurrent trends across the news and stories happening across our industry and in related industries. Um, and while just kind of looking over some of the recent or last year or so's newsletters, um, I started picking up on a pattern that um, IWG was kind of offloading a bunch of their digital assets. If you've been following the newsletter, um, you would have known that they spun out their digital assets, merged it into a company called Worker, absorbed kind of the instant group into that, um, essentially trying to become the TripAdvisor or the, the Airbnb for the whole flex industry. That's a whole story in its own, but what was interesting about that is there were undercurrent stories about IWG trying to offload all or a majority or a portion of their share of that um, into, into the kind of capital markets. That got me thinking that as if we take that on one side of the story and on the other side of the story, we look at what's happening with WeWork and their, their kind of drop from their IPO uh, market cap of around eight uh, of around $9 billion down to what Yahoo Finance says is $227 million. Um, the fact that IWG is actually trying to raise or gather $500 million in cash made me think that could they be making a play to take uh, WeWork public, take WeWork private um, and absorb it into the IWG brand, a group of brands. Um, for folks who are not maybe aware, IWG is more of a franchise play now, um, really licensing out their brands like Regis, HQ, uh, Signature, and a few others, 
um, and building kind of a global network of franchised interconnected locations. So it got me thinking whether WeWork would play a good part in that puzzle. Um, so I put together some thoughts, wrote about it, um, kind of gave a little bit of background on both WeWork and IWG, um, you know, kind of gave some of the benefits, things like, you know, it's a power move, positioning IWG even more as the largest network of, uh, or the largest group of flex workspace brands. Um, they are a franchise business, so another good brand to kind of put into their, into their portfolio. Um, they could also kind of shift the well-performing WeWork locations over to like their best franchisors. Um, or you know, close the rest or restructure uh, to, to save costs. But also just the, the cost savings of not having to compete for commercial or huge corporate clients against WeWork could automatically push that money or push the value back into IWG's hands um, if they had to make such a move. Now, obviously, a lot of my inbox is actually filled with why this wouldn't work, and I agree. There is a, I'm not saying it's the greatest idea, I'm just saying it is an idea um, that I'm seeing from the kind of trends in the newsletter. So uh, let me know via email or via LinkedIn whether you think it's a good idea, whether you think it's something that they're considering, or whether you think we could see the same kind of move being made by Industrious, the Flexi Group, UFG's Coworks, or any other of Serendipity Labs, any other franchise-based or group of uh, co-working spaces. Um, curious to see how this plays out. Obviously, I'm putting a call out. Uh, I own no shares. It's not investment advice. Um, there is a fairly large disclaimer on the top of the blog post. Uh, definitely do your due diligence. Both companies are public. So um, tread lightly uh, if you're thinking of making a call on this uh, bet. Hopping over to Scotland, the Melting Pot shares a report in which it's estimated that local co-working hubs have the potential to inject millions of pounds into their local economies. Their research shows that the average European co-worker spends around nine pounds a day at local businesses in and around their co-working space. This really fascinated me because of the, over the last couple of years, I've loved working with co-working spaces on securing or setting up or tracking local partnerships with uh, businesses and uh, hubs and, and uh, food vendors all around their spaces. Um, and I really like this idea of tracking how much your members, whether you have a 10-member co-working space or a network of thousands of members, how much your members are spending in their immediate economy um, is a, just a great number to have. And although many folks have tried in the past, um, I would love to see more and more operators tracking this metric maybe yearly or quarterly if possible um, and then just sharing them and kind of putting it together maybe even creating an index as to you know the hyper local impact or economic impact that co-working spaces have um, so if you do have any numbers about kind of how much your members your how much money your members are spending on things like food entertainment supplies and more um, do send them over, do write a blog post or do create a report or just send them over to, to uh, me via social media. I would love to kind of share that and kind of create some sort of metric around how much our members are pumping back into their local economies, into your local economies and why municipalities and local governments should care. Talking about hyperlocal impact, we jump back over to the US, where the US government is seeking to turn metro areas in middle America into the next hotspots for tech innovations. And they're doing so with an initial $500 million investment. The Department of Commerce announced on Friday its first NOFO, or Notice of Funding Opportunity, for the Regional Technical and Innovation Hub Program, known as Tech Hubs, 
What this means is they've kicked off a process where eligible groups around the country can apply to be designated as tech hubs. This designation gives them the chance to take advantage of the funds in order to make their regions attractive places for entrepreneurs and technologists to live and work. Obviously, live and work, this is playing right into the, the sweet spot for co-working spaces. And I'd be curious to hear from any of you um, or to see your, your news updates, um, whether you're applying to become designated as tech hubs um, and what that process looks like, what you do with the money and how it drives the impact of your space in your local economies. I really love it when co-working space operators look for new ways to expand their membership into groups or, or for groups and, and uh, people who traditionally wouldn't be able to use co-working spaces. This week, we look at a, an update from Tim um, from Workin, where as they kind of approach their milestone of reaching 800 members, uh, they're actually exploring adding in off-peak memberships or plans for folks who only need access to the space after 4 p.m. or over the weekend. While they're assessing this demand, I really like this idea of making space accessible to people who need workspaces in non-traditional hours. For example, remote workers who are working with teams in other time zones, students who are working on, on assignments or studying for exams, parents who need somewhere to work after the kids are in bed, or even people who are just working on side projects after work um, at their traditional employer. Um, I'd love to hear if this is something that you've worked on, if you had success with it. Um, having looked across the reports, I know that there were a lot of experimental off-peak and shared memberships during COVID. Um, and I'll be looking into how those all played out and if they're still being used um, by operators over the next couple of weeks. So definitely subscribe to the newsletter and this podcast to hear more about that. And finally, some quick market moves just to keep an eye on um, in this rapidly changing market of ours. Uh, Bruntwood, uh, Bruntwood Works, they shared a glimpse of their new 229,000 square foot uh, workspace in Leeds. Tishman have, Tishman Spire have shared that they're expanding their ZOE amenity program across their entire global portfolio. Uh, Infinite Space, who is the white label flex operator, have announced an expansion into the United Arab Emirates with the Sultan Holding Company. Um, Village Work have shared that they're opening a new location on June 1st that's going to combine work, wellness and an event space, um, including 91 offices and space for 200 and a raft of other amenities. Uh, Cohatch launched another location in Pittsburgh and Charlie Green from the office group uh, shared that he's stepping down after 20 years leading the group alongside Ollie Olson. Um, I'm not sure what's next for him, but I'm sure we're going to hear from them again soon. And that's a few things I think you may have missed this week. If you want to subscribe to future email versions of this newsletter, head over to thisweekincoworking.com. Otherwise, I'll be back here in your podcast player next week with the next audio recap. Have a great one. Thank you for all that you do.